Welcome back to NLP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Today's podcast is powered by our Young Professional Network partner, Steel. Steel makes a full line of gasoline and battery-powered outdoor power equipment for the demanding landscape professional. Find yours at steelusa.com. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Miles Caparis, include software, and Macy Robinson with, uh, with Landcare. I was going to say grow the bench. I'm like, man, I'm like... Yeah, I know. Just like, man. Uh, yeah, I guess habits die hard. We're missing, we're missing everybody else. But we do have a guest. So Macy, do you want to give the intro on that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have Katie Raymond with us today. She's the director of national operations at Case FMS. She has been there 11 years and has led both operations and sourcing departments. Katie has two children's two children and a master's and bachelor's degree, both from URI. On her downtime, she enjoys jogging outside and cooking for her family. Katie, is there anything that I missed? No, thanks for having me on the show today. We're excited. We're excited to have you here and hear a little bit about your career and uh, your thoughts on the industry. Yeah, I mean, I think the industry is in kind of a pinnacle place here, right? Corporate America is feeling the effects of the pandemic and so are the small and mid-sized business owners. And here companies are, you know, in the management group space, just trying to navigate that. Uh, yeah, we're and, oh, sorry, as yeah. well. Yeah, staffing is crazy. Everyone is hiring. And so you have a lot of turnover within, you know, our industry, subcontractors and just the day-to-day work constant turnover. I agree. And I think, um, you know, my observation is that the cost of fuel coupled with the cost of higher labor rates are really causing the rubber to meet the road here. Um, You know, I think that what we used to be able to get done by a polished technician just even two and three years ago, it's not the same game now. And I think the people that come out victorious are going to be the ones who figured out how to adapt, how to be profitable, and then still maintain critical relationships. So I think we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, so I, I had here, um, we'll, we'll talk about like subcontractor or as you called it, Katie's service partner management. Um, I really like that phrasing and, um, and, and, I think we'll get into a, probably a bit about building teams. And then also, um, yeah, uh, you mentioned that you really like talking about uh, preserving culture in high volume circumstances, right? So by high volume, I'm imagining high volume of people and large teams um, and, and likely work. So I would love to dive into those topics. Um, I don't think we've really had a, a good podcast about managing um, subcontractors or service partners at scale. So can you kind of walk us through what your day-to-day looks like with that, like right now, and we'll go Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to. Um, so, you know, the first thing I want to say, because I know a lot of times when people hear like, oh, someone's a guest on a podcast that, you know, they've mastered this. I'm a student in the industry. Like I'm learning just like everyone else. I make mistakes just like anyone else. Um, but there are some things that I've learned along the way that I think if I see them restored to the industry, uh, the industry will be better off, especially with regard to landscape maintenance. But a lot of the principles apply to snow and ice management as well, of course. Um, So the first thing, Miles, that I've learned is that the service partner management success is always determined by the front end of the relationship. So if a service partner is given a clear scope of work with no gray in it, clearly communicated expectations, that is building block number one. Um, The second thing that, you know, I always share with my team, the criticality of a visual aid. Okay, Um, you know, 10 and 12 years ago, it was totally kosher if you were pitching a project to me, right? And I'll be like, you know, Miles, I'm gonna uh, drive out to that campus and check it out, I'll get back to you. Uh, That's gone and it's not just, it's not just, gone because people are pressed for time, but it's gone because corporations have security systems and you can't just show up on a job site the same way as before and do a walkthrough. Um, So I'm a huge proponent of a visual aid with accurate square footage for that service partner. So now he can judge his target price point that we're offering against 
you know, what's actually going to have to get done on site. Uh, those are three like foundational building blocks that I, I believe it's any management company's responsibility to put in the service partner's pocket, the prospective service partner, before you start pushing him for a decision. Um, any price point could sound great before you find out what's actually required, right? Like, but then when you find out what's needed, it's like, oh, that, that's kind of lean. Um, so that's one thing I learned. Um, another thing, and this is really a lot more, I guess, down to earth advice, but my husband, my husband always says to me, relationships are like paint jobs on a car. They take, you know, sometimes weeks and months to perfect, to be perfect but one ding and that paint job is compromised. And I, I think that's really true. I think in this economic climate that we're operating in, it's a lot easier to depreciate a relationship, even unintentionally. Uh, people could have the best of intentions, but when it comes to service partners, it's not gonna take much in this climate, especially to cause a ding in that relationship. Uh, so those are kind of some introductory things I've learned. Um, you know, once, once you've awarded a service partner a project, um, optimally it becomes a quality control game, right? So you're working together. Um, you know, we're really liaison, liaising. So in my space, I'm liaising between that corporate level client and the service partner on the ground. What does that look like? And I would say communication is the lifeblood of that relationship. Um, I'm a huge proponent of written communication. Uh, the reason for that is because a lot of small and medium-sized business owners, they need that time um, behind a desk when they're finally wind winding down. They need to be able to refer to what you asked of them. Um, I remember when Case was much smaller there was a lot more bandwidth in my life for like phone conversations where you could actually empty a lot of phone man hours into the job. And I still believe there's a place for that. A lot of my team that works with me, they're always on the phone with their service partners. Um, but I think there's something to be said for the paper trail, of course. And then it's really just if the client's happy, if the service partner's happy, I hold those two things in equal regard. Uh, if a client is happy, but a service partner is either unhappy or not profitable, I always say you might've won the battle, but you didn't win the war because he's not gonna wanna come back the following year. Um, it has to be win-win. And that's one thing I've actually learned at Case um, is it's supposed to be a win-win on both sides. That's what we're aiming for. So it's not supposed to be that just the corporate client wins and service partners, small business owner loses, service partners winning, corporate clients winning, everybody is winning. I like that, yeah. I think finding that perfect fit and especially when you're balancing both sides of it and the pay, I can definitely see the paper trail piece of it. No matter how long you've worked with people, how much you trust those people, they're good people, like just kind of covering your back. We do so many things, especially during the heat of the season or like the heat of snow season, you know, your mind's running everywhere. Everyone's mind's running everywhere. And so just having that paper trail, it's like, what did we agree on? What, what was the spec on it? Um, you know, what was the rate? Like, what did we talk about? Um, so the paper trail for sure is such a big thing. And the way the market is right now, and there's, there's so many landscapers out there. There's so many tree companies. There's so many asphalt companies, you know, name it one after the other. It's not a, ni a niche like market. And so you, you do have to provide that great customer service and you want a win-win situation because someone else is going to be there to step in as soon as you mess up. Okay. Um, it's, it's a huge balance. Um, it's definitely juggling. It's a lot of juggling. Yes. Um, and I love what you said about it doesn't matter how long you've been working with someone, the paper trail is good. I, I agree to that because we don't like one thing I'll never see and I'm fine with it, you know, I don't know how many clients or how much volume my service partners are juggling on their side. So it, it, the spirit of it, it, it may feel sometimes, and I don't know, it may sometimes feel like you're trying to document someone into a corner, but it's, it's dual purpose, triple purpose. It's the reminder for them. It's the reminder for you. Like you said, here's what we agreed on. You know, there, I don't think that ever goes away. I really don't. 
Yeah, half the time it's the reminder for myself. It's like <laughs> email. I email myself things sometimes. Right. Don't forget this. And then I leave it unread. Same here. I'm like, if it's super important, I have the checklist in the notebook, but if it's super important. I'm like, okay, you put it in my email and leave it unread. And then when I, like, before I go to sleep at night, it's like, what, what was I supposed to do? Like, just scroll through the emails that are unread and left in there. Oh, that's what I have to do tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> paper trail is super important. Um, I would love to, like, dive in a little bit just on your experience. My husband, my husband and some of my coworkers and I have been talking about the situation about being scared to GC a job, kind of, like general contractor um, a job and it could be really awesome, especially if you have a large corporate client or, you know, a big, the big storms that happened last year, winter damage. And so there's just tons of work that needs to be done between irrigation, hardscape, plant install, tree removal. Um, so not being afraid to kind of GC that job, like balancing the subcontractors, you know, not every company can do everything. Um, so like, all of us were kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to take on that big of a job just because it's a lot of people to juggle. Um, do you have any like tips on that? Or obviously the paper trail helps a ton. Yeah. I, so um, another thing I really try to push with my team is strategic is better than tactical, right? So the tactical is the day-to-day transactions that we're doing, you know, but the strategy is the high level vision of what is the next play? What is the long game? What am I trying to accomplish here? And like you just kind of said, you could be jack of all trades, but master of none. So if you if you see within your own firm um, or group, you're like, okay, we're really strong at this. We're mediocre at that or better. You know, we're really strong at this. We're terrible over here. I think that the reason people get scared about GCing jobs is because it has such a bad connotation in the marketplace, right? But it comes down to the qualification of that service partner. So there's, I would I would argue that in the service partner population, the vast majority do want to do the right thing, really. And I think anyone who's willing to go through the qualification process, sincerity is the first step. So if you're qualifying a potential service partner and he's receptive to being asked questions in the qualification phase, that's a wonderful sign. So for example, if it was um, like a capital job, like a landscape renovation where you're tearing everything out and, and reinstating critical pieces or maybe modernizing for that client, he should be, where I'm a potential customer, he should be excited and very pleased to answer my questions. Um, I would tell you that if you're going through that initial process, and the guy is defensive or you're talking to a group of guys and they don't want to talk about their insurance or they don't want to supply other commercial customer references, those are red flags. Because if you're giving me a hard time in the infancy you know, phases of our relationship, I can't imagine what 10 months down the road is. Um, so I would say that when you go to GC, you know, once you identify someone and he's teachable and he's going through the qualification process, um, those, someone who's polished, someone who you're proud to bring on a customer walkthrough. I've been through so many different customer walkthroughs and I've had somewhere, they went like a million dollars and the service partner that was walking with me was a total gentleman. And I've had somewhere it's like, oh God, I hope that never, you know, I hope I don't ever have another walkthrough that goes exactly like that again. Um, service partners that you can put in front of a customer and they're not going to talk about finances in a tacky manner because they know they're having that conversation with you. Um, Another great sign with service partners in the beginning stage is if they invite you to their shop. If they invite you or one of their operatives to their shop, that means that they want to show you their fleet. They want to show you where their men go to take a break. They want to show you, you know, what the truck and trailers look like. That's a great sign because In business, we should all be proud of what we have and what we've accomplished. And so a service partner who's inviting and warm in that way um, is good. And I know this is going to sound like I'm oversimplifying it, but if it's a big job, Macy, I would say that personality mesh, right? Like, especially if you know you might have to work with him for the next seven or eight months, you want it to be a personality fit because you're going to have to collaborate so many times. So 
I actually like it. Like if early on there's a joke that's shared, you know, like a tasteful joke, a, a funny joke, that's good because that means, you know, when we get down under challenges, we will be able to have some comic relief together. So uh, that's that's all like really good information. So like, how does, so I guess, how does it, this work in real life with you? So it seems like you have like a ton of experience like with this and like you're still learning through it, but can you like help, like help me understand the scale, like what we're working with here? Like, have you been through like thousands of partners or hundreds or like, um, are these small companies? Are they, are they big? Because I just get a sense of scale here because I know in my experience, most, most subcontractors or, or service partners have always been like one or two man shops, right? Whether it's like a, like a, usually like carpenters or um, like plumbers, electricians, the people who are doing like the non-core design build type or, or landscaping work. So can you just help give a sense yeah, of scale? Of like Sure. Um, so the way case is set up right now is we're, we're pretty much at the directorship level broken into you could call them like rough quadrants of, of the US. Um, so the scale I'm operating in is, is the hundred. So I'm operating in the Northeast, um, you know, and I have New England and I have New York, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And so collectively speaking, I'm probably dangerously near um, high 900s or maybe like right between, you know, 1,000 and 1,100 service partners top. Um, and that's across my whole experience, you know, at Case. Um, so something really cool is like, there's some guys that I hired when I was in my 20s that are still with the company. And um, whenever I see their names pop up, I'm, I'm really happy about that. But something that's a growing pain in a company, right, is when you're growing and you're, you're scaling, how do you, and I'm still, rest, this is something I try to answer every day, how do you maintain the same level of warmth and sincerity, even though the growth is so prolific and now there's more transactions and more customer care going on and kind of less bandwidth? And the answer to that is kind of like, it's what we were talking about before we went on the air, which is team and like-mindedness in a team. So I can genuinely say like the five people that are working with me today that are senior account managers, all of this that we're talking about right now, they're bought into it. They believe in relationship with a service partner and they know the criticality of it. Um, and they, they're they all about what I'm saying. They wanna see the service partner win, they wanna see the customer win. So I would say when you go to grow and you go to scale and every, I mean, any good business owner does know this and he's applying, he or she is applying it. Like you wanna, you wanna be bringing people into your organization that are like-minded and passionate about the same things you are. So um, to answer you, I think, I think one reason like I've been successful is because the people that are working with me, they wanna see the service partners win, win as badly as I do. But like, I'll give you an example. There's a woman who works with me in New York. I, I ran New York a lot more hands-on before I hired her. But then when I hired her, Certainly I, I stepped away and I became more arm's length and I became the strategist and she became the one holding those relationships with those service partners. And it's because we share the same philosophy. They trust her just like they would me because of that like-mindedness. So Miles, I don't know if I like, you know, answered your question to the letter, but I hope that kind of adds <laughs> texture. No, it's just discussion. Yeah. No, I mean, like, sometimes I think we lose sense of scale when we're talking to people in the industry because people are operating across different, um, you know, different spaces. I mean, like the fact that you're, that you have like between 900 to like 1100 partners, that's, that's, a, that's, that's quite a bit. I mean, like, like I saw Macy, she's like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm thinking about my like the 20 main customers. I mean, you, know, you work with a ton of different people, but you know, like my main 20 and I get stressed out thinking about that, like a thousand. Holy cow. <laughs> so that like brings into questions. Like, I know like that you talked about this earlier, but um, in my, like, so I'm, I'm really curious on like how you encourage dependability because you know, if your model is to be around having a lot of service partners, they're not full-time employees of case. So like, how do you, how do you tell that line where, um, where they're like, like, 
what's what's the incentive for the for the partner to like align with your culture when they're working on your your projects is it is it just because you're nice people to work with or is it because like you you offer like a good um like also like a good uh like payout for them as well on your on your jobs right like i'm, I'm curious on like how you get those that's i think that's the hardest part is like because you're not like their only customer usually a hundred percent and now you're getting you know now you're going directly to where i live right this is where i'm living day to day i mean my team my team and i are grinding this axe every day that you just mentioned so uh the first thing i would say is if we're if he's been treated fairly um if he knows that we pay you know monthly that's huge so even if something becomes challenging and and he knows we're consistent and where they're to help his organization financially, there's gonna be some loyalty there. Um, I would also say, going back to the clarity, um, in my experience, most service partners, they're not, they're not really gonna accept a job that they don't genuinely want. So if they, if they take it, like I said, they'll put their best foot forward. I think um, culture, and excellence. One way that we hedge what you're talking about is we have, we call them field supervisors. So those are the gentlemen or ladies that are in the case trucks and they're overseeing quality control. Um, so they'll do routine inspections on maintenance work, on out of scope extras um, in snowstorms, they're out there inspecting and they help us to hedge um, what you're talking about, which is maybe a lackluster desire or maybe you know, it's a spring cleanup and, you know, we all know, right, we're in this, like the beds aren't edged or the beds don't look like they all got edged or whatever that looks like. Um, that's what we put inspectors on the ground for. But I would say that the biggest key has probably been the Case FMS app, which is an app that the company developed. Um, and why it's different is, is because, you know, everything's within Case, like, Case FMS owns it, owns all the rights to it. It's a wonderful tool and it requires the service partners to be on site and to put at least a five photo um, minimum through any work order they're rendering. Uh, so the transparency is there. So if I were working for you, Miles, and I decide, oh, I'm a little you know, ticked today. Miles just keeps getting on me about the weeds in these mulch beds. I'm going down the street for coffee and I'm just gonna log this work order right now and you know, whatever, he sees it when he sees it. It's gonna show you, it's not gonna show you that I went to Dunkin' Donuts, but it's gonna show you that I was two miles or three miles out down the street when I decided to log. And if you're on your A-game and you're a case employee, you're behind that desk and you're like, hey, Katie, like we've talked about this, like why is this work order being logged off site? Why? Like what's going on with you? You know, I really wanted to see distance from site being zero, because I really want to know that it's getting done on site. And, you know, so I think case, you know, where it's a growing company, you know, are there pain points just like any other firm? Of, of course, I didn't come on this podcast today to say, oh, you know, we've got it all together. We're perfect. But those are some differentiators, major differentiators where um, you see that buy-in from the service partner. Like, you know, I've had service partners where they're like, oh, wow, like you could tell you could tell if I was there or not, or you'll do a Teams meeting like this and you share your screen and it, hey, this is what your work orders look like to me. Next thing you know, it, it, you'll never have to talk. If he's a good guy, you never have to ever talk to him again because he tells his crews, like they can tell. Just, you know, get there, do the right thing, do it when you're on site. So so those are some of the strategies we're using. Um, but again, like I, like I told you, you just asked a million or maybe even a multi-million dollar question just then because it is it is a challenge. And especially um, the more you expand, right? Like the, the further out you go, um, I had the privilege of working in the Midwest earlier in the, in the winter season before uh, one of my teammates came back in to manage it. And it was like a different world out there. Um, and it was really eye-opening for me to get to learn about, you know, how is business done in Missouri? How is business done in Indiana? Chicago, it, it was incredible, but it, it speaks to having that respect for each marketplace and just knowing that there's variance in each marketplace. That's, yeah, that's so interesting. There's so much in there. Yeah, I think that's, that's interesting that it comes down to, um, you know, good, good strategy, good culture, but also good systems, um, really, when you break it down at a high level. Um, 
in and like the really tactical like thing of like requiring like five photos minimum of the work being done, you know, GPS tracking that, that, that really, that's, that's a scalable solution. I mean, like that, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really cool. Macy, Macy, I'm, I'm curious on how this applies to you and your world when you have like 20 subs or service partners that you're using, you know, like how, how are you tracking them? Like, is it a mess or is it like, is it, is it that? Constantly crazy? texting and calling. Hey, did you get this? Hey, can you send me the report from this service? Um, so there's not like one full system. It depends on each different vendor. Like some of them, it's like, you have to talk to them on the phone. Like, Hey, what'd you do? Or like, they'll send you a picture via text. And some of them are very professional and they're like, email you the reports, like turf applications, you know, they're like, here's the reports. Here's the amount that we used on the turf grass. And then some of them, it's like, here's a picture of the finished product. <laughs> we'll like send we'll send an invoice like, can I drop the invoice off um so it's cool seeing like a process that's all one versus like catered to each individual um subcontract so, so Macy you, did you say did you say earlier that you work in Maine no no no, no. uh I work in Dallas but in landscape maintenance oh uh, sure okay um but I what I was gonna say was the way that you're describing, like how you're how you're managing your service partners where they're fewer, like I think there's this quote out there like don't despise the day of like a smaller beginning or that small because I I guarantee you like the depth of your relationships it's probably like really a privilege for you to do business with all those guys and like at least you you could probably project every one of their behaviors which is yeah. a huge advantage like this guy's gonna text me it this guy's gonna drop it off. That's awesome. Like, and I remember those days and I, I don't, when I look back, I don't dislike those days because there's a lot of advantage in it. Oh yeah. I love, I love my local subcontractors. We have one that's a brother to like one of our managers and um, just does like everything, you know, hardscape install, we'll build a fence for you, like whatever you want done. He's just like, he's your guy, but it's not going to be here. He meets insurance requirements, but there's not going to be any like official, like here's my branded like invoice. It's like, here's the bill. So here you go. Um, <laughs> but he does great work. You know that when you bring him onto a client site, you're like I know that he's going to do the job right. Um, but I think the biggest thing with subcontractors, especially when it's a multiple subcontractor job is balancing the schedules. Like we don't do pools or anything, but it's like, okay, the pool guy's going to come in. Oh, well, they're behind a week. And you got to push everybody. Like just everyone has their schedule that they're working through and communicating that with everybody. I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing. Um, this that, is com completely yeah. off topic, but I've always a been, off topic here. Just keep yeah, on no, I've always, I've always like been fascinated by like the Texas market. Um, and I like, I've never, you know, visited there, but I really want to get down there. Like, I don't know what it is. If, if I could just take a trip right now, it would be to Texas. Um, well, come on down. It is hot. I will warn you. It is <laughs> hot right now. Um, but I've already closed my rings for the day, uh, being out with the guys, but it is very hot. The market is growing. It's absolutely insane here. The amount of companies, people, there's everyone that's moving to Texas, especially Dallas in general. Mm -hmm. um, it is it is a hot market right now. That's so awesome. Very exciting for work. Yeah. So, so Katie, I'm, um, so can you, um, I mean, I don't know how much you're willing to share, but I'm really curious on, um, since you have dealt with that many people, um, and that many partners, what, do you have like some situations that like you think that you come to mind that are like really like good learning experiences that you could share like with our audience that maybe they can learn from either your mistakes or, um, maybe not even like a mistake. It might've been just like a situation that you could never foresee that happening, but you now have a, something to protect from that. Um, yeah, for sure. So one of the, one of my mentors within case that I, I have a lot of respect for, he has this saying, and, you know, I feel like I'm like talking about my uncle or my dad right now, but he always says apples to apples. Right. And um, how I took that, is that what the customer is requiring of you, you need to require that exactly parallel and identical of your service partner for, for that job. And early on in my career, um, when you're still learning, sometimes you'll look at a scope of work 
and I've done it. Um, you know, you're trying to get the site procured. You're trying to get it solidified with a contractor so that you can move on. And you go over the scope and you go over the scope at a very high level and you, you know, of course you email it. There is never time wasted or, or I'll even go as far as, as to say, you can no, never really over explain a scope of work to a partner when you're starting out a project. There's no time wasted on the phone. There's no stupid question. Um, you know, talking about myself early on in my career, absolutely have, you know, given guys high level overviews and, you know, maybe he gets to the site and the app requirement in that smartphone, you know, back before we had the case app, for example, maybe it's not what he thought. And now you might be in the middle of a snowstorm and it's, it's game on and he doesn't want to do the site now because of something he didn't foresee. Um, I'm a big believer in looking in the mirror at yourself first before you start pointing fingers. So I've always like tried to reflect on how did I explain this? Where, did it, where could I have explained it better? And that's where, you know, what Macy said earlier, really powerful about the paper trail. But yeah, I would, I would say to avoid mistakes, you always wanna take a path of clarity with the service partner, over-inform with regard to the scope, uh, over-inform with regard to payment terms. And another one, and this is not super popular and this gets really gnarly, but I also think getting into the nuts and bolts to a degree of the whatever the master agreement is in place that's presiding over the project. And I mean, with regard to payment terms. So when you talk about payment terms, is there anything in that language that poses a risk to your, your service partner where he wouldn't get paid if it doesn't get done that he wouldn't think of? And um, I think that that set, sets people apart as like a management company or someone who works within a management company for the level of transparency. Because we don't have to look far to find people that just want to burn through sites, burn through transactions, how fast, how many. But the differentiators are the ones who, who slow down and take their time. And like, while I am more hands off like today than I used to be, I can, I can look at my team and say like, this is a team that if they were securing the site, they would take their time with the partner. And that's a, that's a really rewarding feeling. Um, I'm trying to think if I have like a really like, I know I do have like some really crazy stories. It's just like, right, right now, I don't know if they're like, coming to mind but I like <laughs> I've done touched. I've yeah. done some crazy stuff where it's like Katie like how could you do that you know <laughs> absolutely well I think that um just the idea of somebody like in the snowstorm especially for our like our, our audience in like snow markets and Macy can't I don't know I mean I don't natural more natural disaster type stuff but anyways if you're depending on somebody the idea is if you're depending on somebody to do something and they just drop you know like that is like the scariest thing <laughs> Right. Because like, what, what's your backup plan and how do you do that? Especially when you're outsourcing or when you're dealing with somebody outside of your organization. Um, yeah. So and I, even in, even in main, like, even in maintenance, like it can happen. Like I think of like tree jobs, right? Like if you have a, a down tree and it's really obstructing the customer's, you know, operation and they're asking you for a timeline and you, you secure the partner and you think everything's good and you, you throw this timeline to your client and you're like, this is when we'll be there. You know, you only have to live, live like this for two more days. And next thing you know, like your partner calling you and saying like, suddenly I, I've had a turn of events, I can't make it or a technician has COVID or whatever. I think that is to me, the way we're doing it, that's a, that's a baby snowstorm for that service line, which is I still have to get this fixed right now on the same timeline. Cause the customer did nothing wrong to deserve their timeline being compromised. So, I mean, it doesn't just have to be snow. I feel like it can happen to anyone. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Snow is um, always the most treacherous though. Say it again. I said snow is always the most treacherous, treacherous and like high, I don't, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but like it's just such a liability as well. And it's like, you, you, you can either perform it or you can't perform it like yourself, right. something, you don't have plows, you don't have skid steer, like whatever, snow shovels. 
just like you can either do it or you can't do it yourself. Uh, that, There's no middle ground. <laughs> that's, when, that's when Katie gets out there with a the chainsaw for the freak out. And she's like, fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, snow is snow is absolutely an adrenaline punch. Um, you know, like I my background's more heavy in snow uh than it is maintenance, but I, I've learned to have a deep appreciation for maintenance. And I was actually just meeting with two of my uh, guys, my teammates, um, we did a quick lunch meeting before this. And um, one thing I said to them was like, I really want to become an expert in horticulture and plant life and knowing, you know, around new plantings, like which species thrive in which environments, because I think that's another thing that I see kind of getting diluted in the industry is more like people are just kind of planting. I don't know how it is in Texas, but around here, sometimes you know, at other properties, people are just planting whatever, and there's this lack of calculation or planning around it. And I, um, I have a really vast interest in it. And whenever I go to a nursery, I always end up spending a lot of time there. So that's something else I, I really want to learn a lot about. Yeah, that's Macy's world. Come on down to Texas, we'll teach you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really cool. So is that like, is that kind of what you're like a huge thing that you specialize in Macy? I, I try to, I try to get out. I'm, I'm in the office more now at the role I'm in, but my degrees in landscape management. So I took a lot of horticulture classes in college. And, uh, that's why I'm out with the guys planting today, trying to be out in the field a little bit more. Um, we closed off our month yesterday. So it gives me a little break to kind of pop into the weeds. So it's fun, but yeah, the horticulture side is my favorite side for sure. Uh, I hope you're not, so cool. I hope you're not planting weeds. I'm planting weeds. I'm planting flowers, but then I'm pulling weeds as I see them in the beds. It's like double trying to teach the team that we can do two things at once. Um, so uh, seeing it and taking care of it. But yeah, no, I love horticulture. Spending time in the nursery is just so relaxing. One of my favorite things to do, go out, nerd out and plant and see if I can remember what the Latin name is. Um, I don't remember. Yeah. I will say that. I'm realizing that I'm losing it from my car. Like I have lost it. Um, so, but it's, it's just great to be out there. I think, I think every landscaper, just even my bosses, even my CEO, I think, you know, I think you just get a day to go hang out the nursery. Everyone would do it. So that's cool. So I'm in good company then. That's really cool. Definitely plant people. Um, I'm kind of interested before we finish up the call, you said do you like to run and you have two two kids correct yeah I have two so tell it and you like to cook so tell us about your work-life balance because I think that's the biggest issue everyone's taking on more now so I would just love to hear your work-life balance story and just full honesty on it oh yeah no um so first I thank God for my husband because um Oh man, you actually might make me get a little sentimental. He is someone who taught me the value of team. Um, I never really knew what it was to, you know, need a village to get something done, or I've actually never really been exposed to effective teams until I'm married into the family I'm married into. Um, realizing that my weakness is someone else's strength, realizing that someone else's strength, you know, in the inverse of that. So first of all, I have a, a spouse that understands and he, his job is equally demanding and we have each other's back. So a lot of times, like the decision of like what's for dinner happens the day before. And a lot of times there's, I mean, I, it's going to sound like we're so boring, but I promise you we're not. I really feel like we project manage our personal lives. So like when the kids get home from school, like they're going to do at quarter of four today, you know, we have a homework station. Here's where you're allowed to do this. And then, you know, we have we get dinner done together. Um, my kids play sports. Um, so it's I mean, it's a lot of teamwork. It's a lot of understanding. And then it's also sometimes and I'm getting a lot better at it. I would say um, in the past year, I've gotten a lot better sometimes you have to look at a task and say, if I put this into tomorrow, if I'm not causing my team any detriment, am I good? And I think that 
takes a real leader to ask because the path of least resistance for anyone who has work ethic is to stay online. Stay online, if things are getting done, I'm gonna stay online, but you have to put your marriage first. And I think there's people in our industry who have, we've seen, you know, different people have learned that the hard way. And I've grown to be really intentional. Like, I'm not going to do that. Um, and neither is my spouse. But yeah, work-life balance, that's a, such a real and raw topic, Macy. And like some people really pay the price before they find it. And I just thank God that I've not had to pay the price before realizing like, you can always get another job, but you cannot get another family. You can always get another job. And you might think you can always get another marriage, but what about the marriage that you have right now? So uh, I love that you asked me that. That's like a whole nother phone call all by itself. <laughs> Wise words of Katie Raymond. <laughs> I had that conversation with my boss. He was asking me, like, how would you react to something like sending emails at night? And I was like, I mean, you know, they're new. They're trying to impress you. I was like, you're just like any young person that comes in, I have to tell them. They're always like, how do you get work-life balance? And the same thing that you said, just, you just got to turn it off. It's, Can it wait for tomorrow? Can that answer wait for tomorrow? Like I have to ask myself that all the time. And now I'm just in a natural habit of it, but it takes a lot to get to that point you work 60 hours a week. You don't need to be working at nine o'clock at night, sending emails. It can, it can wait for tomorrow. So. That's right. And like um, last night was one of my more urgent nights. And it was the first night in a long time that I had stayed up that late doing work. But I'll tell you what, it felt good. Cause I finally knew I was putting first things first, second things second, because it had been so long since I had had to do that. Cause it was a real urgent one. Um, but not everything is like you said. So yeah, great topic. There's, um, there's something that, um, my team and, uh, my, one of my, uh, my, my tech leads and I, we talk about is, uh, we talk about the idea of deleting things. Like we're in the habit of deleting. So like, if you, if you like, whatever, whatever is a priority task is like, you'll actually, you'll remember it. You tend to remember these things. Um, and then anything else that you, that gets on your to-do list, it's more like, I just go through and I delete, you know, and mm. if it's like, and it's important, it'll, it'll surface back up. But, um, I, I tend to delete and it reduces a lot of noise. Um, especially when you're working remote, like, um, like we are things just like, it's just text chains, check, text chains, emails, emails, right? Like chat, chat. And right. just like, you got to filter out the noise. And the only way to do it is just delete it. And people either remind you if it's really important or like it just kind of goes away. And it's like, <laughs> you know, if it's not aligned to your strategy, you don't have to actually worry about it. it. It's so funny you say that. So I actually started a policy just for myself, but I haven't taken it to your level yet. I think I'm like too scared to, but I have to. <laughs> it takes a lot something. of confidence. <laughs> yeah. And courage for sure. No, I started it where if someone, so you know how you like, you'll be in like a group thread with like 20 billion people. And then like one person, you know, and I, I admit I've, done, I've been this person, but some, someone will just, the matter closes and someone decides to write a reply all, thank you. It's like, you just wasted an email and I just delete it. Um, and it feels so good because it's like, I didn't need that in there. You know, I didn't need that in there at all. So no, I haven't gotten to your level of deletion, but I am doing little stuff like that. <laughs> it's a... Uh... Yeah, it's 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 a good way to prioritize like, to see like what's what's prioritized and because um I think it's something that I've learned because I used to have like really long to-do lists and I talked to friends about this, but the to-do list is just really arbitrary because like you're always getting done what needs to get done, you know, right. and it just like serves as a reminder. So if you have a, a spot like where you're saying with the strategy, where you understand what the strategy is, and as long as you're working towards what the goal is what you're doing, your to-do list day to day really is, doesn't matter as long as you're working towards that goal. If you're not, then you have to do that check. Right. So right. Um, that's, that's the way I view it. And then it's a lot less stressful because it doesn't feel like you're, um, or it, it minimizes the stress. I shouldn't say it's a lot less stressful. It minimizes the stress of like, I have a whole bunch of things to do. Yeah. Or it even minimizes the perception of, I have X, X many emails. It's like, you have that many less because you've been cleaning it the whole time for all the needless ones. So no, it is, it is a good tactic. I want to get to where you're at with it. Maybe in a year I'll be there deleting like actual stuff. <laughs> it takes, it takes practice for sure. Um, for it takes, sure. it takes practice. Uh, and it is, it is, it is scary, but I don't know. It's just something that, that came up. And, uh, I think where it came from, because like in software development, we have huge backlogs, right? Like everybody wants everything and everything. 
you know, it's like in software, it's like we need that. <laughs> so it becomes a lesson of prioritization. And, uh, and sometimes it's just like, just delete it off the list and like, just, you know, it's that's just so true. I don't even know how software developers do it. Like, I feel like I would be nauseated by a developer's calendar. Cause like, they'll go from like scope meeting to scope meeting to scope meeting on different clients. Like every client has different requirements for what, and I'm just like, that's back to back. Like, how did you retain all of that? Like I would need, I would need time in between each one. That's incredible what developers do. It's nothing more than what, what, um, what landscape professionals do building big projects or taking really, I mean, it's really just taking big care of big projects. So it's just, it's all the same thing. It's just, we're all building with different tools and instead of, instead of trees and yeah. soil and, and, and plants and, and using mowers, we're just writing code instead. Yeah, no, it's I have a lot of different aisles. <laughs> I don't know. I like, I, I like the metaphor that we're just, we're all doing, we're all doing work. We're just all trying to get it done, you know? It made sense until you compared it to writing code. I was like, I, I can hold a shovel, the code piece up there. No dice. Across right. to you, Miles. We'll, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that. It's all right. Um, I'm but, giving you props. Dude. You're, oh. You're just so much harder. <laughs> oh no, I. It's a. Uh, it's it's different. That's all. That's all it is. I wouldn't say it's harder. Um, takes it takes. I think um, my my experience in the landscaping industry taught me the work ethic on how to do well in the software industry. So, learn that grind. That's that's for sure. Um, but it's cool. Uh, but anyway, so we're getting close to our time. This is a great conversation, Katie. We I love having you on. Um, learned a ton, a lot of value here. Um, so we like to close it with a segment called the Rose and Thorn. So like what's going on well in our personal, professional lives, what's not going so well. Um, we just kind of round robin it. So uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Macy, you want to uh, kick off? I'll start us off. Uh, Rose this week, my husband and I are going to see Dave Matthews band this Saturday. So he was, here were our first song that we danced to at our wedding. We saw them a couple of years ago in Dallas. So excited to see them again. Um, Thorn is, it is hot, hot, hot <laughs> in Texas. No rain in sight. Um, it, it's hot. Summer is here. I think it's going to be a triple digit summer for a majority of the summer. So here we go. Lots of water. Send it our way. Wow, that's cool. So now is it my go or does Miles go? Oh, it's my go. No, you can go. It's, <laughs> it's, you just send it. Okay, sure. Um, so I would say, let's see here. Um, the rose this week would probably be um, just the team chemistry that I see among my team. We had like a video call together earlier and um, you know, May it, up here where I'm working, you know, May is super mulch installation centric, super irrigation centric, making sure, you know, because Memorial Day is after all, it's like the holy grail of landscaping. And I would say the rose is just how I see, I see the team flourishing um, and just like bearing down under that down pressure that they, they want to come together and get it done. And I really appreciate them for that. And then I would probably say um, the thorn is just my kids school year is uh, winding down slowly. It'll be over in the month of June and they're just gonna kind of have a lot of academic projects uh, to pile on with my cool landscape maintenance projects that I just told you about. So we get to all do the hard work at the same time. But um, if that's my biggest complaint, then I think I'm still pretty blessed. That's cool. Um, yeah, you just got to get the kids out there and working. That's what, that's what maybe I'll do that. Maybe that's I'll do what, their homework. Yeah. Maybe I'll do their homework and they can go do some mulch for me. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much, I got done with school. It's like, all right, you're hopping in the truck. You're, 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 you're putting down mulch or you're planting the plants, you know, and, uh, you're building the walls. Those are, yeah, that's, it's effective. That's for sure. I can tell you that it keeps, keeps us busy and tired too. You know, we slip, slip well as kids yeah uh, <laughs> um so yeah um i guess a rose for me is that um, i'm up here in jersey for the week um at my parents house just saying hi came up for mother's day you know got good sun points and then um 
just end up hanging up here for a bit and it's beautiful actually you know it's like 70 degrees blue skies what, what part of jersey like north jersey like sussex county nice yeah Cozy. like right on the border of jersey and pennsylvania right in, it's super rural um and uh in in the mountains so it's it's beautiful up here it's it's a good change from uh from dc to be up here in in, in the country for a bit um yeah and it's beautiful the weather is just killer i'm sure it's by you too katie it's just like the whole yeah no today is gorgeous it's like a sin to be inside right now <laughs> oh my goodness yeah it's it's wonderful um oh sorry macy were you on the oh, sorry it's, i forgot i'll survive i'm gonna go sweat another gallon of water out really quick down here it's okay though it's a sauna i'm not going to the gym later um i, I think i might have to get like a sweatshirt and get a little chilly but um uh i guess my thorn um I don't really have many thorns right now, actually. I think that um, I'm on a good wave right now. Um, there's a lot of thorns the past several weeks, but it, it comes in waves. So this is like a wave of coming off of like that hard times and then really finding another groove with the team and another wave will come where hard times will come and we'll push through it again. But um, yeah, things are good right now. So it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Um, cool. Well, that's all I got. Katie, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for having me on. The questions were really, really good. I actually really enjoyed this. And um, now I know who I'm going to bother in Texas when I go down to visit. It's going to be Come Macy. Come on down. Yeah. Macy's good company, you know? Like She seems it. <laughs> we're going to have some fun. Yeah. I think the best thing about the landscaping industry is, um, is, or really the green industry in general, is that when you go visit, people in different cities like you can one you can definitely find a person that you know who's in that city likely who's doing yeah. the work two doing site tours like you get to see places and see like it's always fun to show off like what you're doing and like the properties mm -hmm. that you manage and stuff and like hop in a truck and do like those rounds I think that's that's so much fun like that's that's my favorite part of traveling to different cities is just like hooking up with friends and saying like and they're like yeah like, come around I'll show you like some houses that we work on and you see things that just amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think I, I think one hour in a truck with Macy, I'd learn a ton about about plants and things I don't know. So that's yeah, I gotta make it to Dallas as soon as possible now. Just let me know. I'll drive you around. I'll pick you up from the airport and we'll go look at some properties. I'll let you know. Well, now that now we have to have a follow-up on the podcast. <laughs> maybe in like December, yeah. like when it's reasonable again in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it could be <laughs> I don't know. Okay. cool well um uh and i guess a big thank you to our listeners as well for listening uh, appreciate your support uh, feel free to uh rate this podcast share it uh share it with friends family co-workers um and uh yeah give us any feedback if you have any and uh, uh i hope you all have a good rest of your day catch you later bye guys bye guys